1: I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. Investors bracing for the latest read on the U.S. employment picture with the May jobs report due out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, looking for any signs of a slowdown as inflation continues to burn white hot. President Biden in a primetime address to the country, calling on Congress to act in the face of a string of mass shootings around the country, but one state is not waiting around for federal action. In New York, Albany passing new restrictions on crypto and crypto mining, and it's all about the carbon footprint. Plus, with gasoline at all-time highs, we explore the actual breaking point when demand destruction becomes a reality. And then later on, it is not just Jamie Dimon. Now Elon Musk says he has a very bad feeling about the U.S. economy. It's Friday, June 3rd, 2022, Jobs Friday. And you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and welcome to the show. I am Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan today. Let's kick off the hour with a check on the markets and your money. Right now, stock futures are in the red, modestly so. You can see the Dow is implied lower by just about 72 points, the NASDAQ lower by about 12 and then about 59 point declines here for the NASDAQ overall. And we'll mention what's driving a good amount of that NASDAQ trade in just a moment. This is all after the major averages ended yesterday modestly higher snapping two-day losing streaks. The Dow, the Nasdaq, and the S&P are now on track for back-to-back weekly gains. Also now checking what's happening with the bond market has been a driver of a lot of the action these days in equities as well. Right now ticking higher. The two-year, 10-year Treasury note yield, rather, just a hair below 2.92%. The two-year Treasury note yield, about 2.64%, and the 30-year long bond, 3.08%. In the crude oil market, crude oil prices right now are still under at least a little bit of pressure. U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate, $115.95. That's off about three quarters of 1%. ICE Brent crude futures, the world benchmark gauge, $116.73, off about three quarters of 1% as well. Now, this comes as NBC News confirms President Biden will head to Saudi Arabia this month and hopefully find a way to bring more oil on board to the market here. Also, a busy morning for cryptocurrency prices. We are seeing Bitcoin and Ether at least mixed in trading. Bitcoin prices 30,392, so still continuing to move above and below that big 30,000 level that many traders are looking at, up about two thirds of 1%. And meanwhile, we have half percent losses for Ether prices, $1,804 or thereabouts. We will now get to the latest in just a moment here and what's happening. But first, let's get a check on some of this morning's top stories. Outside the market, Sylvana Hinao is here with those. Good Friday morning, Sylvana.
2: Good Friday morning to you, Dan. Well, the axe is coming down at Tesla. CEO Elon Musk reportedly telling executives via email the electric car maker needs to reduce staff by roughly 10%. In the email titled, Pause All Hiring Worldwide, which has been seen by Reuters, Musk says, quote, I have a super bad feeling about the economy. Tesla not immediately available for comment. Shares of Tesla are down more than 26% this year and adding to those losses this morning. In the face of ongoing unionization efforts, Apple is reportedly agreeing to make work schedules at all of its retail stores more flexible, According to Bloomberg, the company says the changes will take effect in the coming months and include such things as a minimum of 12 hours in between shifts, an increase from the current 10, a maximum of three days per week when employees can work past 8 p.m. unless they choose to work late shifts, and employees won't be scheduled to work more than five days in a row, a change from the current maximum of six. And New York State passing a bill to ban new Bitcoin mining operations for at least Two years. It now heads to Governor Kathy Hochul's desk. And once signed into law, will make New York the first state to ban blockchain technology infrastructure. Lawmakers backing the legislation say they are looking to curb the state's carbon footprint by cracking down on mines that use electricity from power plants that burn fossil fuels. The early morning vote comes as New York State Attorney General Letitia James warns that cryptocurrency investors face a growing danger from wild price swings, adding investors have lost hundreds of billions of dollars in crypto investments in the market turmoil last month, and even legitimate virtual currency assets are subject to speculative bubbles and security issues, Dom.
1: All right, Silvana, thank you very much for those headlines. We'll see you later on. Let's get back to the markets and those comments from Elon Musk that Silvana just highlighted moments ago on Wednesday. We heard from Jamie Dimon over at J.P. Morgan, who is warning investors to prepare for an economic hurricane. Those are his words, saying, quote, we don't know if it's a minor one or super storm standy. You better brace yourself. Now, this morning, Elon Musk says he has a quote, super bad feeling about the economy and is pausing all hiring at Tesla and slashing staff by 10%. Let's just let's discuss all of this with Josh Wine, portfolio manager over at Hennessy Funds. Josh, this is a market that we've been talking about for several months now. That is, has, has been characterized as extremely tight, that the economy is well, that we have many policymakers saying that we have attained full maximum employment. Does it worry you to see some of these tiny cracks evolving at this stage of our market cycle?
3: Good morning, Dom. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem terribly surprising. I mean, we're, yeah, we're near peak employment. We're getting some some tough numbers out of retailers, you know, Target, Walmart, and more recently, uh, what used to be called Restoration Hardware, you know, kind of issuing some poor guidance. And I feel like those say a lot about where we are in the economy. You know, how much better can it get, considering that a lot of demand was pulled forward, uh, you know, in the last couple of years with stimulus and 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 the like. So I don't think any of this is surprising. And I think these comments about the economy taking a turn just reflects how good things were, not how bad they're going to be.
1: Josh, oftentimes many, many traders and investors and certainly many viewers of our network and and other business news outlets, they tend to look towards the technology sector, maybe parts of the media sector as one of the leaders, right? The leadership group in the overall market, maybe even the economy. It has been certainly that way since the emergence from the great financial crisis. Does it bother you now that it's some of these big tech companies, growth ones, that are the ones who are initially starting to pause hiring or even cut jobs outright?
3: I I don't think it, it it certainly doesn't bother me. I think, you know, it makes sense. I mean, we saw yesterday uh, some guidance from Microsoft that was at least for a couple of hours worrisome. And I think the stock ultimately rallied uh, into the close. So I think that it makes sense. I mean, it's, you know, these things go in cycles. And I think, you know, tech certainly led the way for the better part of two or two or so years. So I think, you know the next leadership is is value it's it's perhaps you know utilities which you know i think are represented an incredible value right here and and some recent relative strength so i you know i think it's just the way the market works
1: so if that's the case i mean th- this value trade has been leadership now for what you can argue is maybe a year or, or more at this stage since the emergence from the depths of the great uh, the, the the pandemic and whatnot If you look at that does it maybe give you some pause this idea that that value and maybe utilities staples and certainly energy has run as much as it has already is it still a buy even though we've seen such massive moves higher in some of these energy type stocks and some of these utilities and staples names
3: yeah sure i mean i think to separate it out i mean energy obviously so much dependent on the price of crude and natural gas to some degree i think things like utilities you know have a lot of legs them. I mean, I think that story is a lot more stable, inherently more stable than something like a classic exploration and production company. So, you know, utilities in an environment like this where growth is slowing and we're looking at maybe 2.5% on GDP this year, which has been ratcheted down consistently from the mid threes, and 2% next year, maybe even lower the following year. In that environment, utilities that are growing their you know their bottom line by anywhere from you know five to six to seven percent a year somewhat consistently uh you know isn't a compelling story and you know with dividends to back it up and and uh you know that visibility i think investors will come to appreciate more and more
1: do you have a favorite stock pick right now you do manage money for a living josh
3: sure yeah uh so in the hennessy gas utility fund you know we focus on the distribution and transmission of natural gas you know utilities and pipelines and and some LNG exportation. I would point out uh, National Fuel Gas. Uh, you know it's an integrated natural gas company with upstream assets in the Utica and Marcellus, uh, some midstream assets, and then uh, a, a traditional gas utility serving uh, you know Pennsylvania and New York. So uh, fifty one consecutive years of dividend increases. Uh, you know they're prolific free cash flow generator and looking to. Take some of that cash and build up the utility side of the business.
1: And Josh, uh, so I think
3: that's very interesting. And in Chesapeake Utilities, uh, 19 years of growth in the dividend, strong rate of change in that dividend, uh, and just a traditional gas utility serving you know the Mid Atlantic and Southeast.
1: All right, and Josh, before we let you go, we're going to add your voice to the mix here. Y- y- you heard the comments before, as you, as, as we to your segment here. Jamie diamond says an economic hurricane is coming. Elon Musk says he has a super bad feeling about the economy. What do you feel? What's your kind of intuition tell you about where things are headed?
3: Yeah, it's my intuition says that, well, certainly you can't have it both ways. You can't say it might be kind of bad or it could be really bad. That's not a statement in my mind. So what I would say is that it be a rainstorm. and, And after all, rainstorms come some sun. So I think the sun, the sun rises, you know. Mid mid part of next year, but that's the economy. The market's different. I think the the market looks much farther ahead than we do when we talk about the economy. So I think you know the market traded out, and I think that that's sunshine for as far as the eye can see. I think that we're set up for a good rally here.
1: All right, the optimism there from Josh Wine and Hennessy Funds. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. When we come back on the show, your big money movers, including Kohl's, back on the auction block. Those shares are soaring pre market. Plus. Recession proof, Lululemon bucking the retail trend and the stock is popping, we'll dig into the details there. And later on, another day, another record for gasoline prices, but there is possibly an economic breaking point. Will one happen, a price that leads to demand destruction? We'll explore that, a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this.
2: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
1: Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning. Shares of Kohl's right now higher ahead of the opening bell. The retailer reportedly receiving competing takeover bids from the private equity firm Sycamore Partners and then retail holding company Franchise Group. Sycamore's bid values the department store chain in the mid-50s range five, a, a, a share, while franchise offered around 60 bucks a share, pinning the Kohl's value just around $7.5 billion at this point. The Kohl's board is reportedly expected to meet to review the bids in the coming days, and those shares are up about 5% in the pre-market trade. Frontier Airlines will pay Spirit Airlines a $250 million breakup fee if regulators block a merger between the two carriers. The move comes as Spirit tries to win investor support for its merger and fend off a hostile bid from rival JetBlue. It also addresses a concern raised this week by Institutional Shareholder Services, ISS, that cited the lack of such a breakup fee as a key reason for its recommendation that Spirit investors vote against that deal. Spirit CEO, by the way, Ted Christie will join Phil LeBeau on Squawk Box, 7.20 a.m. Eastern Time, an interview you'll want to see. And two weeks after announcing plans to slow hiring, crypto exchange Coinbase now says the freeze will extend into the, quote, foreseeable future. The company will also be pulling some accepted job offers. From a blog post yesterday, the company says, quote, after assessing our business priorities, current headcount and open roles, we have decided to pause hiring for As long as the macro environment requires, Coinbase has, by the way, lost more than 70% of its value this year. And the sell-off in cryptocurrencies is a big driver behind that. Coinbase shares down about 1.5% in the pre-market trade. Let's now get to a bonus big money mover. We are talking shares of Lululemon higher this morning. The activewear company outperforming expectations in its first quarter report yesterday on both the profit and revenue side of things. The company also raising its full-year outlook, expecting the momentum in its business to continue despite broader economic headwinds, including red-hot inflation and, of course, supply chain concerns. Those shares are up big in the pre-market. Joining me now is Jessica Ramirez. She's a senior research analyst at Jane Hall & Associates. And, And seriously, Jessica, this story about Lululemon has been ebbing and flowing for a while, but the athleisure trends have been a tailwind for a good part of this Lululemon story, does it continue even post pandemic?
5: Good morning and nice to see you again. Well, with Lulu, it's been very interesting, right? So I think they've been able to continue their momentum and the consumer has really been responding to them because they have been following what the consumer is interested in. I mean, yesterday they talked so much about going into tennis, going into golf, the hiking collection that's coming up as well. And consumers are still doing that. I think there's hobbies and interests that the consumer adapted much quicker than we expected to during the pandemic, and they've kept those um, activities going, which again, a particular consumer at the moment, despite headwinds, especially of inflation, the affluent consumer seems to not be affected at this moment. And we are still hearing a lot of consumer going back out. So there's a priority for going out occasion where return to office. And I think, again, to the consumer that Lulu is speaking to, it still has longevity. I don't think comfort is necessarily to go away. I think there is a balance in between the two. Um, but again, in, in some occasions for some retailers, there is a priority that the consumer is seeking their their dollars to. But for Lulu, it doesn't seem to be having um,
1: much of an issue. So, so Jessica, I mean, it, it's a rarity these days to talk about a consumer retail brand. That is as optimistic, and we'll say that on a relative basis, as Lululemon was during its report. What's going to be the main driver, the investing thesis for the coming quarters and maybe years about Lulu? We had heard before about the expansion of the men's line of things. Do they want to do something differently with regard to the product mix there, attack different markets? What exactly do you think is going to be that thing that gets Lulu investors excited in the coming years?
5: So I think from Lulu, what we've truly have admired and we've continued to see them really work on it is that they're not only just a brand, but they're a lifestyle. So, and with the category ads, and again, the way that they look to their experience, the, the whole brand essence really is you can go in there and purchase something for footwear now. Um, there's beauty products. There's a lot of accessories that are complemented to the, the lifestyle brand that someone has, the membership program, the way that you can buy online, pick up in, in store, um, everything is so well integrated. I mean, they have also their events. It's tapped into the consumer in almost every single way, in their way that they carry their life. So again, that has longevity into a brand. And as soon as they understand more and more where the consumer is going and what the consumer is interested in, I think that tends to be, you know, pretty much the future proof for the brand.
1: All right, so so the brand is a, is key here, right? Because that's what, that's what kind of separates Lulu and that lifestyle side of things. What about the competitive environment? The brand has to hold up. There's a lot of competitors out there. I know that I own Lulu products, and now I own other products from smaller competitors that have now tried to encroach on some of the products that Lulu makes. How do you kind of extend that brand and its power over the competitive environment that we're seeing develop in athleisure.
5: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the space has gotten extremely competitive and it's not only from national brands or smaller brands up and coming, but it's also from retailers bringing out their private label. But again, Lulu has proven they have loyalty. Um, and that once you have that, and once you become that trusted, you might dabble into another brand, you know, try it out. This might be something you can mix and match, but there is, that brand that is sticky and Lulu is clearly proving to be that. And I think when you look to men's, it's growing and growing. And there is something to talk, to speak to when you look to the fabrication. I mean, the fabrication that Lulu has, and I think more so for men, a lot of that product is products you can take to the office. It doesn't wrinkle. It's, it provides, again, yesterday, that was very interesting. They talked about, they know how the consumer sweats. So they fully understand how the material works and it's smart fabrics, which I think a lot of the the athleisure companies that have come up, some of them do lack some of of that material or the strength in that material. So again, Lulu becomes yet another winner for
1: that. All right, the Lulu trade, it's positive right now by almost 2%. Jessica Ramirez, thank you very much. Have a nice weekend.
5: Thank you, you too. Good to see
1: you. Good to see you. Still on deck for the show. No sale sign, no problem for Nike co-founder Phil Knight in his pursuit to buy an NBA franchise. That full story is coming up when we return on Worldwide Exchange after this.
0: Today's big number, $646 million. That's how much North American companies spent on 12,000 robots during the first quarter of 2022, according to the Association for Advanced Automation.
2: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome
0: to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work.
2: Impending deadline?
0: Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Rider's Block, release with Canva Magic, right? Magical. Stress less and save time at Canva.com. Designed for work.
1: Canva. All right, markets right now are implied fractionally, maybe even call it marginally lower at the opening bell. The Dow Jones down by about 85 points, 14-point losses for the S&P and the Nasdaq down by 75. Tesla is a big part of that Nasdaq weakness there. Dow gainers right now in the pre-market. Dow, McDonald's, Nike, Cisco Systems, Walgreens Boots Alliance all up fractionally in the pre-market trade so far. As for the laggards, you've got Boeing, Apple, Travelers, and Microsoft all, again, down between half and 1%. So we'll keep an eye on that trade. Let's get a check on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the latest. Hi, Philip.
6: Hi, Dom, good morning. President Biden made a rare evening address to the nation, focusing on the wave of mass shootings in America. He outlined several proposals that he wants Congress to act on, including a ban on assault weapons and high capacity magazines, raise the purchase age from 18 to 21, and increase mental health services. Meanwhile, on the state level, there has been some movement. New York lawmakers passed legislation to ban anyone under the age of 21 from owning a semi-automatic rifle. The bill is headed to the governor's desk for signature. After an extensive three-week search, an escaped Texas inmate was killed in a shootout with police. It happened overnight south of San Antonio, about 250 miles from where he fled last month. Officials say Gonzalo Lopez killed a father and four children before stealing a truck from the home they were at. Law enforcement spotted the white Chevy Silverado and the chase was on. Lopez's tires were spiked and he crashed the truck. He then shot at officers who returned fire and killed him. We have a new Scripps Spelling Bee champion. And for the first time ever, the winner was decided with
7: a spell off. Ornithorhynchus.
5: O R N I T H O R H Y N Z H U S. Nyan N A N D U B A Y. Moorhen. M O O R A G N.
6: Wow, that was quick. That is Harani Logan, the 14-year-old from San Antonio, Texas, spelled 21 out of 26 words correctly in 90 seconds. It was Harini's fourth time competing. And this time, she goes home with a check for 50 grand. The crowds that came out in droves to celebrate the Queen's 70 years on the throne. The monarch led the lighting of the Jubilee chain. That is a display of thousands of beacons across the UK and the Commonwealth. Earlier in the day, from the Buckingham Palace balcony, the Queen enjoyed a majestic flyover by the Royal Air Force and their formation created the number 70. Now, someone, though, who apparently was not so impressed or at least pretty perturbed was the Queen's great-grandson, Prince Louis. You can see all those pictures there, the youngest son of Prince William and Kate Middleton. He didn't appreciate all that noise, Dom. I don't know why they should have gotten him some earplugs or something.
1: (laughs) When I was that age, and and even later into it, I loved going to air shows, and I loved the noise. But I I will say this, it was one heck of a party Congratulations to the Queen and and, and everything else. So, Philip, what a way to kind of go off into the weekend.
6: Yeah, and day two of the Jubilee is today.
1: Multiple days of a party, I like it. All right, Philip Mena, thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. You too. Straight ahead on the show, on this Jobs Friday, a look at the balance of power between the employee and the employer, and if the scales are about to tip in a different direction. And if you haven't already done so, please follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple or Spotify or your podcast app of choice, Worldwide Exchange in audio format. We'll be right back. Hiring headwinds. First, it was Facebook, Uber and Coinbase. Now Tesla is cutting back staff amid a new economic warning from CEO Elon Musk. Plus watching for demand destruction when it comes to the summer driving season as gasoline prices hit get this another record high when do we hit a breaking point for all of us buyers and consumers of fuel and later on your weekly exclusive insider buying segment with a massive purchase from the founder of one major retailer it's friday june 3rd 2022 a jobs friday and you were watching worldwide exchange right here on cnbc Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I am Dominic Chiu in for Brian Sullivan this morning. It is right around 5.32 a.m. Eastern time here on the East Coast. And here's how your money and the markets are shaping up with futures right now indicating some modest losses at the opening bell. The Dow is implied lower by 84 points. The S&P lower by just about 15 and 80 point losses for the Nasdaq composite. Tesla is a part of that story. We'll get to that in just one second. Markets are trying to hold on to yesterday's gains. They're also trying to extend their weekly win streak to two at this point. Now, a closer look at the NASDAQ futures trade over the past six hours or so. You'll notice here, it took a sharp turn lower right around that kind of 2.30 a.m. Eastern time area, right around there, and that was just about when we saw some of those headlines coming out with regard to Tesla saying that they were going to pause hiring and then maybe even cut 10% of their workforce. Now, with regard to the Nasdaq trade right now, from the lagging side of things, at least in the Nasdaq 100, you can see CrowdStrike is down about 4%. Micron, Tesla is in that mix as well. Lucid Group and Advanced Micro Devices among some of the big losers right now early on in the pre-market trade. With, re- with regard to bond yields, it's also been a big part of that narrative right now, especially with technology trades. As interest rates go higher, some of the shine comes off those growth-oriented stocks in tech and communication services right now the 10-year benchmark treasury note yield is ticking slightly higher a little above 2.92 percent the two-year note yield is about 2.64 percent and the 30-year long bond right at 3.08 percent as well let's also hit oil prices a very key focus for investors these days and consumers anybody who drives and uses fuel. WTI U.S. benchmark crude price is $115.86. That's down about almost nine-tenths of one percent. Ice Brent crude futures, the world benchmark gauge, currently sitting at $116.69 off about three-quarters of one percent as well. And then let's check on those shares of Tesla. As we mentioned moments ago, lower in the pre-market rate and right now to the tune of about three and a half percent, CEO Elon Musk reportedly telling executives via email that the electric car maker needs to reduce staff by roughly 10%. In the email, titled, Pause All Hiring Worldwide, which has been seen by Reuters, Musk says, quote, I have a super bad feeling about the economy. Tesla itself was not immediately available for commentary. Let's now get to some of this morning's other top business stories. Yael Silvana Hanau is back with those. Hi, Silvana.
2: Hey, Dom, good morning. So we'll start with McDonald's because it says it's tapping a third party to assess its efforts around diversity, equity and inclusion. This after the company's investors requested it conduct a civil rights audit amid criticism over its handling of racial matters. New insight into Tesla's 2017 fight against unionization. According to invoices and other documents reviewed by CNBC, as some workers sought to form a union at the Tesla factory in Fremont, California, the company was paying a consulting firm to monitor employees in a Facebook group and more broadly on social media for discussions alleging unfair labor practices and about a sexual harassment lawsuit. While the records confirming Tesla surveillance of employees online are years old, they hold new relevance for observers seeking greater understanding of CEO Elon Musk's priorities where social media is concerned as he looks to buy Twitter. And the Portland Trailblazers say they've received an offer from Nike co-founder Phil Knight to buy the team, even though it's not even for sale. The future of the team has been unclear since Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen, the former longtime owner of the Blazers, died in 2018. Allen's sister has been managing the Paul Allen Trust that oversees the franchise. ESPN reported yesterday that Knight and Los Angeles Dodgers co-owner Alan Smolinisky made a more than $2 billion offer to buy the Blazers and had been engaged in discussions with the Allen Trust Dom.
1: All right, Sylvana, now with those headlines. Thank you very much you for got that. It. American workers have leverage over their employers right now. It's a tight labor market with unemployment near a record low. People are able to push companies to offer better pay, also better benefits. They can even jump ship to greener pastures. The latest JOLTS data shows there are roughly two jobs for every unemployed worker in America right now. But as economic storm clouds start to gather will workers be able to maintain this leverage this upper hand Ruscha Van Vancudre is a senior economist and research manager at MZ Burning Glass a labor market analytics firm uh, Rusha, this has been the narrative for a while we've we've heard terms like the great resignation people able to kind of leave saying you know what I don't I don't need my employer to do this I'll find a better job somewhere else doing something I love is this an environment where this kind of thing can last for the worker? Are those green year pastures going to be there for the months and maybe years to come?
4: Sure. So I mean, when we looked at the jolts data that came out you know just on Wednesday, um, we haven't really seen any indication that things are changing. The labor market is still extremely tight. Um, openings came down you know slightly from the previous month, but partially because March had been revised up to 11.9 million, which is you know a record high. Um, so we're still really, really high at 4.4 million, and quits are still really high. So we haven't seen anything just yet really indicating that the labor market is losing any of its tightness.
1: So, Rusha, when, when do you make that call, though? Because the, the knock on that is by the time you see enough data points to say that something is happening, it has already happened. So when we look at these tea leaves right now, right, and I'm not saying at all that Coinbase and Tesla are indicative of the US economy. We know that they are not. But when we have some of these big kind of growth oriented technology companies now pausing or even outright cutting jobs, or we have the most valuable bank in America and its CEO saying that an economic hurricane is coming, how much can workers count on that greener pasture?
4: Sure. No, that's a, that's a very fair point. Um, but one thing I think I would say is that, you know, something that for us is a clear indication that things are changing is layoffs, right? Um, and so we've been hearing a lot about how tech is having all these increased layoffs. Um, and it's true that this data is from April. However, we're not seeing that in most of the other industries at all, right? Tech had a slight increase in layoffs, um, in our data, but overall, layoffs are really at a 20 year low, right? They're only at 1.2 million. So, and a lot of these places where sort of, you know the great resignation, the great reshuffle is happening has been in some of the more traditionally uh, lower paid industries, right? And so we are still seeing sort of the quits high there and in places like manufacturing, you know openings are still really high. So while it's true that, you know things might be changing slightly in the tech sector um, I think we're not really at a point right now to say that the whole economy is going
1: to follow. Um, OK, I'm Rusha. I'm not implying that the whole economy is going to fall <laughs> off a cliff here. Here's what I would. Uh, here was, here's here's let's end on this before we let you go. We've been focused a lot on the number of jobs created out there. We also know sure. this is a very, very high inflationary environment. If yes. workers have that much leverage, why aren't wages going up higher than inflation right now?
4: It's a fair question. Um, but I think part of it is wages take a little bit more time to adjust in general. Right. And I mean, I think we are hoping that inflation will come down as the Fed changes rates. Um, and so I think, you know, as we wait for that, wages can't keep going up at the same rate. It's it's unlikely. And so I think employers are going to do other things and are trying to do other things to find ways to keep pace.
1: All right. Rusha Van Koudre at MZ. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Coming up on the show, record high gasoline prices and whether they're likely to head lower anytime soon. But first, as we head out to break, let's check out some of the big money movers elsewhere in the market. Shares of Okta are popping again this morning following a strong session yesterday. The maker of authentication and authorization services posting better than expected quarterly results. But those shares are still down, uh, moving a little bit higher here. Crowdstrike, meanwhile, shares are under pressure despite beating the street in its latest quarter and offering upbeat guidance. That stock had rallied nearly 8% already during yesterday's session. And then shares of work management platform Asana are lower at this hour. The company warning it sees a wider than forecast loss in the current quarter. So those shares also on the move as are oil prices as well down, you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Brian is not here this morning, but we are still going to bring you your weekly exclusive insider buying segment where we highlight the top five stocks being bought the most by their C-suite level execs with their own money. Now, the info comes with our thanks to Verity Data. And as always, we are counting down from number five to number one. So stock number five is Fresh Del Monte Produce, the CEO paying about $505,000 for roughly 20,000 shares. Verity notes that the CEO is usually a seller of stock there, so keep an eye on that. Stock number four is Trade Desk, a board member buying 801,600 shares of that stock, his first buy in about five years. That stock, by the way, is down 40% this year. Number three is Rivian, a board member there buying nearly $1.2 million worth of the beaten-up EV maker. He also bought at 29 and change. The stock was $172 a share last year. And the second most insider buying this week was Carnival Cruise Lines, a longtime board member buying almost $1.2 million of the travel company. He was a seller of the stock last year. So this is an interesting reversal. And the most insider buying this week is a very big buy and a very big name. It is Best Buy. The chairman emeritus and founder of Best Buy, Richard Schultz, making a massive $19 million buy, $19 million. Verity notes that's his first buy since 2008, and he has been a longtime seller of the stock. So this is a very big reversal and certainly a name to watch. Now, this is a segment that you will only see here on Worldwide Exchange or for CNBC Pro subscribers, you'll get the full details there. Just go to CNBC.com pro like the banner below you says, and you'll see what happens there. Subscribers get full access to all of this data. Now, oil prices are edging lower today. The market is largely shrugging off the decision by OPEC Plus to boost production targets, questioning whether the incremental move can make up for lost supply from Russia and meet, of course, that growing worldwide demand. It's also doing nothing to slow the rise in U.S. gasoline prices. The national average for regular unleaded fuel is now $4.76 a gallon, with gas above $5 a gallon in seven states and $6 a gallon in California. Consumers are starting to have to decide whether to cut back on driving or even other aspects of spending or even extending credit and putting on and taking on debt to pay for some of these rising costs. Let's bring in now Kevin Book, Managing Director of Research at Clearview Energy Partners. Uh, Kevin, I wondered whether or not I would see, at least anecdotally, any demand destruction at my local filling stations. And I gotta tell you, with the summer season here, all I see are people lining up to fill up their tanks. It doesn't seem, at least in my area, to be affecting anyone's spending but it's more subtle and nuanced than that. Take us through what's happening.
8: It is, Dom. thanks for having me and good morning. The uh, the loneliest number in math is a numerator without a denominator. The price alone isn't the only story, it's the wallet that it cuts into. The disposable share, uh, the share of disposable income per capita uh, eroded by the rise in price. is starting to get to a point where I think we're gonna see some, some pump price pain deliver some demand response. Uh, it is not something that's formulaic. You don't know when it is. Disposable income is up a lot. Some of the stimulus dollars are still in pockets. Uh, but we're now rising well above 3% gasoline share of DPI per capita. Uh, when you get three and a half, four percent 4% in the history, recent history, the 20-teens, uh, we started to see demand retracement year on year and monthly data. So uh, I think we're likely, if we keep rising the way we're going, we're going to get there. But not right away. It's probably the next vacation that gets canceled, not this one.
1: So so what's interesting you bring that up, because many of the surveys that we've been seeing, right, and and surveys tell us so much, there's always some kind of a sampling error, some statistical variance with regard to how these data are collected. It indicates that people are not really willing to give up that vacation or those travel plans or that road trip right now. So what exactly would they spend less on in your mind if they were going to continue to spend on things like driving and travel and everything else, especially in the next two to three months?
8: Well, we don't know for sure, uh, but we can expect that probably a rampant credit card debt, uh, which we're starting to see, as you mentioned, uh, starts to show that they're not making the, the compromises yet, they'll make them eventually. Uh, also part of the lagging dynamics here. You know, in past run-ups, what we saw was that the energy prices that ran, ran when a lot of other prices were relatively flat. Now we're looking at a CPI, Uh, Rising, yes, energy is a big component year on year and in many months, very significant. Uh, But other parts of the basket are going up at the same time. So I think the competition may be a bit more fierce for some of those other consumer spending areas. Uh, Debt racks and then the capitulation comes. But again, not right
1: away. So, Kevin, the Biden administration is understandably feeling the heat from this. This is one of the biggest topics of discussion right now among the American public about our economy and where it's headed. What exactly can the administration do, if anything, to bring down those gasoline prices? I know that in my state, the state has already suspended gasoline taxes at the state level. What else can be done? Well, you know, when you start
8: to suspend taxes or for that matter, to to give subsidies or incentives for demand, you prevent the market from balancing, but you also prevent the voters from freaking out. Uh, And so uh, a lot of what may make the most economic sense would be tone deaf politics. Uh, Some of what you're going to see may not make much economic sense because politics is leading the charge. A lot of blaming and blame shifting is some of the easiest uh, response the the White House can give. Addressing the fundamentals is quite hard. A heroic strategic reserve draw has done nothing that the consumer can see. It may have capped further rises to the upside. We've risen nonetheless. Uh, At this point, uh, you can see that there's a, let's call it, um, and this is an informal term for it, a Mojo play date coming. Uh, later this month, potentially, a meeting between Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and President Biden. Uh, That would seem to reflect a fundamental change in geopolitics that could filter back into energy and maybe even the gallon at the pump.
1: All right. The pain at the pump, certainly a big topic, especially with midterms coming up. Kevin Book of Clearview, thank you very much. We appreciate it, sir. Thanks for having me. Coming up on the show, a top financial advisor on where he's telling clients to put their money to work. We'll be right back after this. All right. The biggest thing on that wall you just saw was the jobs report coming out at 830 a.m. Eastern time. The health of the economy, obviously front and center for investors right now. So joining us now is Eric Bailey of Stewart Partners Global Advisory. Thank you very much, Eric, for being here with us now. Let's take us through whether or not this jobs report is going to tell us anything market about whether the American economy can sustain what's happening with the inflationary narrative.
7: Hey, Dominic, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's important. You know we've had a nice rebound in the markets since the lows of may 20th and so we've had a a calmer environment and certainly a positive job market is going to go a long way in keeping this bounce from moving forward
1: so if that's the case what exactly then is the market telling you about what is going to happen in the coming months given the fact that we've seen the pullback that we've seen and this kind of consolidation that we're kind of witnessing right now?
7: Yeah, you know, the volatility, the VIX, which measures the volatility of the markets has has really dropped, right? It's dropped uh, below 50. I mean, uh, it's dropped about 50% since those May 20th lows. And so we've had this good run. And so we need, you know, for this to continue, we certainly need to see some positive uh, feedback, both from the economy with the job numbers today um earnings coming up and obviously the fed the fed meeting is going to be very important we know they're going to raise rates half a percent but if they have some other language or give some other indications of uh of more hawkish fed action that could drive the markets back down
1: all right so if this is the case the market volatility right now is obviously not the economy and vice versa but but just take into account these comments you have Jamie Dimon, the preeminent banker of America right now, saying that an economic hurricane is upon us. The only question is whether or not it's going to be a superstorm standy or something maybe a bit smaller. Brace yourself. And then Elon Musk says that he has a super bad feeling about the economy and that they're going to pause all hiring worldwide. What does that do for the overall sentiment for investors right now?
7: Yeah, those are two icons in our in our economy, one in finance and one in, in industry. And so, when they make comments like that, you certainly have to take that uh, seriously. However, even with Jamie Dimon's comments, the markets, you know, have gone up, and yesterday showed that with a very strong rally. So, again, uh, this bounce has you know has legs. We've we've seen that here, but clearly, uh, I, I think there are you know headwinds facing this market. We need good earnings in July. Uh, and we need economic activity to continue to show some progress uh, like we've seen.
1: And Eric, where are you putting money to work, given that backdrop that you've just laid out and, y- and your opinion about what's going to happen?
7: Clearly staying on the, on the cautious side with, uh, with, the, with, the, with these headwinds we're seeing. So in equities, we're sticking with lower volatility, strong balance sheets, dividend-paying stocks. Uh, in fixed income, we're buying tax-free bonds, high-grade high-grade credit, and, and, and shorter-term you know, cash instruments like T-bills.
1: All right. So a pretty safe trade there, Eric Bailey. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Have a nice weekend, sir. Thanks, Tom. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern, only on CNBC.
8: Life is a highway.